following podcast is rated I for idiocy. I realize I garbled some of the points, but I wanted to ad-lib instead of just reading from a script. Often we're afraid to step into the next chapter of our life, but hopefully more afraid to stay where we are. To turn back is one kind of death. To go forward is another. Hello, my name is Gordon and welcome to my podcast. Maybe the most powerful word in the English language is no. It's so liberating. It's so liberating. It gives us freedom, you know, freedom from people, freedom from habits, freedom from circumstances. I've used no liberally throughout my life and no apologies at all. Um, you know, protect myself, protect, you know, the company, whatever it is, I've done that. And it's so powerful. I know in work, remember December 8th, 1990, I said no to the system. And, and that was the day I started my company. I worked for other people and it was fun and all that. But I was between jobs and my Step uncle had called and he said, Hey, I got a clubhouse, temporary clubhouse, cart barn down LaGrange. Do you want to help build it? And I was like, Sure. So I went down there and you know, I was in restaurant mode, built shit fast. And we built that thing in 30 days and done. And I made more money in that 30 days than I had in a whole year. And I thought, Duh, there's my answer right there. And little did I know, you know, the impact it would have on my life. Here it is, 2023. And um, best decision I ever made, young and dumb and made it. Um, don't know. And, it, it, you know, you do what you think's best for you, and I, I think it generally works out. I, I think about, you know, saying no to vendors and contractor, subcontractors and things like that. Or, you know, there's some really good ones, and there's some really awful ones. And, you, you know, sometimes you get locked up with some that you'd prefer not to be locked up with. But... You know, they're helping you. They're on the, I remember a story, this buddy of mine who's played golf with, all this stuff. He was a painter out here. And he's a good dude, and he wanted to paint a house, and he begged me and begged me kind of. So I let him do one, and he kind of screwed up a few things, but he took care of it, and I thought nothing of it. And then later he begged me again, and I was like, okay. He did this house, and he just, just dropped the ball. I was having to, like, manage his workers and you know paint sheens and tell them this and what to do here and it was just uh, uh, so frustrating i remember him calling me and trying to you know explain his way out of it and i was so frustrated i was like fuck you carrie and i hung up on him and no i'm not proud of that and that was years and years and years ago and i've never done it since but i remember being so so mad Oh my gosh, I remember that. But yeah, and, and it's like you know to say no before that and you just let it linger. I'm not sure why we do that. I think about owners. You know, we have perfect clients. I've never had a bad client. We've got difficult clients and, and, and then we have clients who are like butter, man. And the difficult ones, they're, they're just difficult because they're just difficult people. Their whole life is difficult. They make everything difficult. They think they don't. They think they're smarter than we are and, and good for them. And, and you, are they happy in the end? Absolutely, they love us, but typically they, they just get, we give more than we get in those jobs. And I'm okay with it, we just march on, it's fine. You don't know, but I know when I 
when potential clients call us, like I screen them hard. You know, they think they're screening me, and and you know, I know they are. There are other people out there. Everybody wants a deal, and they think you know they can get something for less, and you know, go find that. But yeah, I'll screen them hard, and you know, they'll ask me all these questions, and I'll get the inkling that they're really not for us. And I'll be like, man, we're just so busy. So you can do it indirectly. You can say no indirectly. You don't have to be, you know, like, like, no, we don't want to work for you. So we do that often. But, and then you have owners, like you have people and they're, you know, people are selfish, man. They're just, they just are. And they're building these monuments to themselves. And, and, and God bless them. I want to do it. Like I love building houses. I love making them look good. I love having happy clients. But some people, are just, you know, they'll throw deadlines out there for no reason, like, hey, we got to be in here, you know, by October 2nd. I'm like, why? Where'd that come from? Or by Halloween? I'm like, huh? It, it doesn't make sense. So, you know, sometimes I'll say no to that. I'm like, we're not going to be ready. We're not doing that. And, you know, you, you, you of course, you create a, a team mentality and a, create a sense of cooperation, all that stuff, you know, through the course of the project and even before. And so, you, you know, it's not that blatant, but every now and then somebody, they'll be like, hey, we got to do it. I'm like, mm, I, I'm, I'm not buying that. You know, we're, we're obligated to build this thing well. I remember, when was the Olympics? It's like, was that 96, 90? So we were building a house, I think renovating a house in Buckhead Midtown. Atlanta, really nice, just beautiful place for a friend of mine down there. I'd built a restaurant for in Buckhead and we were in a hurry, everybody's in a hurry and trying to beat the, get to the, you know, have it done before the Olympics and all these parties and all this stuff. So we had a lot to do. We hadn't even drywalled yet. Remember we had to build these stupid elliptical arches throughout the house and the architect, we'd build it and you know, like we were, like it's drawn as well as we could. And you know, some are four foot wide, some are eight foot wide, some are 12 foot wide. So the arch would be different, but it still had to like land in the same place anyway, details. And so I'd call the architect and he'd come look. I think we built those stupid things about 10 times. And Spitzmiller Norris was architect. And I, I just, I adore those guys, Rick Spitzmiller and Bob Norris. But I remember calling Rick saying, hey, you know, can, you know, we reframed these. Can you come down here and look at it? And he was like, yeah, I'll be down there next Thursday. And it was like 10 days, eight days and 10 days away or whatever. And I was like, are you serious? He's like, yeah, I got stuff to do. And, you know, I knew I wasn't going to change his mind. He's stubborn. So I was like, God almighty, I was so nervous, you know, so anxious. And anyway, um, getting a lot of pressure. So I remember that Thursday showed up and we were talking. He's like, yeah, this looks good. This looks good. It looks good. You can go ahead and draw all in. And he's like, Gordon, relax, man. It'll be fine. He said, this shit doesn't matter. He said, the quality of product matters every time. But this whole deadline thing and you pushing it, is this in a restaurant? And I remember hearing that. And, and it sort of changed my whole perspective on building and taking care of clients because in the long run, the quality of product is what matters. It doesn't matter that you get them in on Halloween. It doesn't fucking matter. Um, yeah, it, it's just funny. I, I love those guys. In relationships, you know, just kind of segue to that, the, you know, saying no in them. Um, it's weird because you like somebody and they like you and you have fun and you do all that stuff and then, you know, something pops up and something else pops up and, you know, little things are little things. But then, you know, some bad behavior 
jumps in there and you know it might be me but it's more likely them and and you you know you call it out or you talk about it or you try to and you know you just you know sometimes you got to say no to that that's how they want to be that's how they want to act and it you know it's fine but you know the sooner you say no the better off you are and same thing with disrespect and it, it that comes in so many shapes and forms you got to say no to what's not best for you or best for me. I'm I'm not great at it. I don't love confrontation at all, but I'm committed to being better at it, and I've I've done a lot better. Separate thing. One thought that's really influenced me probably the most is this: just learning how to develop a relationship of cooperation with people, knowing they're an ally and communicating in that fashion. I think about this every day, multiple times a day, constantly. And and it's really helped me kind of wean out the people that really aren't that interested. I mean, everybody can't be, you know, interested in everything about us or our company or me or whatever. I get that. And and they're not supposed to be. But, you know, whether it's friendships or work relationships or whatever it is, is do you have my best interest in mind and do I have yours in mind? Do you take things out of context when I communicate? Do you look for the bad? Well, you know, that's what I try to pay attention to. And I try to, you know, encourage that sense of cooperation by being the cooperative one, right? And, and most of, you know, also just an understanding of, you know, it's a hard game. Life is hard. Build, you know, having a job is hard. And, and do you, you know, do, do people have, do you have a sense of empathy toward me. I, 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 to me, empathy is like the foundation of all this shit we talk about. It, it, it supports it all. And, you know, maybe not in work relationships as much, but there's still pain in work relationships. You know, just the pressure and, and, and to accomplish and the crest, whatever it is. And in relationships, just do, you know, do you feel my pain or can you relate to my pain? Can you sit with me in my pain? And can I sit with you? Can I understand where you're coming from? I, you know, it's, it's, you know, I see you, I hear you, I trust you. I feel seen, I feel heard, I feel trusted. You know, any type of relationship and, you know, you, you, yeah, you don't, you don't chase things that aren't reciprocal. If they're not reciprocating, march on. And again, subcontractors, client, whatever that is, personal relationships, doesn't matter. You know, a lot of client, a lot of potential clients we we cross, they're not for us. Now, I didn't know this when I was younger. I mean, again, young and dumb, you 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 kind of you know you're begging for work but as you get older we've been fortunate don't have to and um yeah i I love that thought of you know developing a relationship of 
cooperation with people. And it, it's really affected how I communicate with people for the better, for the better. I like what Jason Van Ruler said about trauma. Trauma occurs at the intersection of what is unexpected and what's overwhelming. What is unexpected and what's overwhelming. Um, I, yeah, I, I, you know, I think a trauma is like think of traumas as major traumas and minor traumas like many traumas and and you know go back to me which is you know my mom passing I mean that was you know traumatic of course but really the stroke she had two years before she passed was the traumatic thing to see her go from you know a mom you know would go out hit golf balls all that stuff and then suddenly she she's not a vegetable but she's pretty close I mean she could feed herself but that was about it and it left her helpless. And yeah, I didn't know what to do with that. And then, you know, the, you know, when Major left, and, you know, I think I've shared this Tucker knocking on my door at 7 a.m., he lived with his mom. I opened the door and he's standing there. He's like, hey, Major ran away. I remember just being stunned just stunned and cried. Man, I cried so much. I remember getting fired from, from fired from a job. So I walk, I remember, so I, boss walked in. He, he was a good guy and he's made tons of money and good for him, right? But I remember him talking to me one morning. Was, of course, it was 7.30 because I was already there. I'd already been there for an hour. And he's like, hey, can you come in the office? I was like, sure. I walked in there. He said, hey, it, you know, I don't think it's working out. And I was like, I thought he was talking about a job. We were doing doing this job. It was going, it was struggling. And we were still making money on it. But I think it was a quick trip or something. It rained like, God dang, three months in a row we we're trying to put tanks in the ground all that shit pour concrete i was like i know man the rain if we can get it stop raining he's like no 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 he said that's not what i'm talking about i said what are you talking about he said you working here isn't working out and i like hmm i was stunned i was i was shocked i i i, I couldn't speak and I sat there for a minute and I just started bawling, just right there, just flood of tears, man, coming out. And, and I think at that moment he realized how committed I was to him. I mean, he, you know, he didn't change his mind, <laughs> but I think it surprised him, I really do. And and I remember leaving there, walking, going and getting a box, putting my shit in and walking out in a daze. And I, I was like, what am I going to do now? Where do I go? It was, it was traumatic for sure. And yeah, 
Worked for other people. I don't know. Yeah. And then, and then you, you know, you have, we all have those traumas, right? We all have those milestone traumas that you just, like they're etched forever. They're just markers out there that we can go to and say this happened and this happened and this happened. And then you have these mini traumas, and we all have them, and and they come from nowhere. And, and, you know, maybe from childhood, I don't, I, the cool thing is I don't remember my childhood that much, right? But they come from nowhere. And, you know, they're usually something somebody says. For me, it seems to be that way. It's something I remember something somebody said or did that was, you know, it could sprout up from nowhere, though. It, things about, you know, appearance like, like your weight or your height or your nose or your ears or hair or eyesight or who knows, man. It, you know, like, I mean, being bald, right? People, you know, somebody will say, and that really, honestly, it does not bother me. It is what it is. And, and people can joke about that with me and it, it's not, but it's something that, you know, it would I lo love to have a, a, a full head? Of, of course, that'd be cool, right? Yeah, I'd like to be, you know, six two instead of six foot. Um, but, it, but you know, again, we are what we are. But it's funny how people say things that really, like, they're not helpful. And I'm not saying you can't be sarcastic with people and have fun, because you can. That's half the fun. But you got to be really careful. And and some people just aren't. And that stuff sticks with you. And uh, yeah, they'll it, it, and those things will prop pop up and it'll it'll kind of crush your spirit a little bit and you know it's that and things about you know they'll say something about your personality or your hill here you know through the grapevine somebody said something it's weird I, I heard I heard this the other day trauma is standing there in pain and the person who inflicted that pain stands there and offers no comfort Like I can visualize that. It's it's like that's very real. Um, yeah, and and it's weird because those mini traumas are the ones, the big ones. We I think we almost understand them better. It's the little ones that kind of poke at us all, you know, every day. Talked about. I think I talked about this one time, but. Here's, here's something. Excavate the need beneath the want. Excavate the need beneath the want. I, I love this so much. So much. And I've thought about this so much. You know, the... People, you know, especially in, in, in relationship, I mean, obviously you could run it into work stuff and all, but, you know, personal relationships, just people, you know, want this and want this. And when, especially when it comes to, a, if something gins itself up to an, an argument or a disagreement, then, you know, somebody's like, you know, they want you to wash the dishes. They want you to fold clothes. I mean, they, everybody uses those as, as examples. Um, you know, they don't want you to eat food in their car. Or they do this or they don't do that. And it, and it, and it turns into 
resentment and things like that, then it, it's not the fucking dishes. I mean, you wash fucking dishes in a minute, five minutes. Come on. That's not hard. And folding I like to fold clothes. I, that was my job when I was a kid. We had seven people in our family. That was my job. I should hate it, but I actually like it. I do not mind it at all. It, it, it's funny. And, and so, you know, what is, instead of, you know, getting mad at that, what, what do you need? What do you, you need more comfort? Do you need more love? Do you need more attention? And sometimes those needs are, I don't want to say those wants aren't, can't be specific and can't be like, hey, I really don't want you to eat in my car. I get that. I get that. But, but if it turns into a real conflict, then, uh, yeah, what what is the need beneath the want? How do you excavate that? I just, I love that thought. I think about it often. And, and you know, it's weird because we think we need a lot. And we don't. We're conditioned to believe that we need a lot. You know, jump online and see what you're missing. You know, this hustle culture. And... Uh, you know, in my mind, we need very little, very little, um, in the sense of being complete. You know, you need one text. You need one phone call. You need one letter. You need one person meeting you halfway. You know, one, one friend taking you to the hospital. One, one bed, one toothbrush, <laughs> one donut. No, not a donut. That, that's a bad example. Um, yeah, we're just so drawn to wanting more. And I, I'd encourage you to, to want less. You know, one thing, two things, three things, four things, 999,000 things. Fuck that. You know, you see these people and they, they want to go visit. You can't visit every place. You're always, you're always going to be lacking, right? I'm not saying it's not fun to travel. It is fun. To, and, and I get that some people love to do it. Go do it. But I, I do think the, the culture we're in, if you're not doing that, you're a failure. I'm like, that's nuts. I love being home. I love being with the people that I love more than anything. It, would I love to go to Italy with them? Of course, right? But I don't need to go to 999 places. And, and you know, yeah, I just, especially if you're doing it just for that, I mean, you can't, you can't visit every place and you can't do everything. And I often wonder, what are you what are you lacking that you feel the need to do all those things and stay that busy doing those things? Again, I'm, I'm, I don't enjoy doing all that stuff and I understand people can, but yeah, I, I, I think I'd encourage people to focus on the quality of what they're doing and who they're doing it with. Um, so anyway, I, you know, I'm rambling today, of course. I have an inspiration folder of sayings I've collected that I wanted to share a few, and I, th I think I can read them and you'll, you'll get the context of them. I hope so. And I, I, I like them, so hopefully you will too. Here we go. Um, <laughs> breakups are crazy, like, who am I supposed to text? I bought a new cereal and like it. I'm supposed to keep that information to myself? 
and it this tickles me because it's so true you know you're in a relationship and you share shit all the time and you're sending pictures and things i mean i like doing that it's fun for me um you know some people like it less and some people are more disconnected and i'm like good that's you but that's not me and and you do all that shit and all of a sudden you know it goes from something to nothing and that person's not there to share that with and you feel a little bit lost and you know it takes a while to adjust right but yeah, what do you do with that stuff? What do you do? Is just sit there in limbo? I don't know. You save it up. You can't really save it up because it's got to be in the moment. Um, choosing positivity over emotional truth will make you miserable. It's interesting how the people who are like, it is what it is, often are the people who made what is what it is. That's kind of a word fuck, but somebody tweeted that, and I liked it because it is, you know, most of those people are, it is what it is. I'm like, yeah, because you fucking made it that way, you idiot. <laughs> I like this one a lot. This is me. You think you can hurt my feelings? I'm an overthinker. I hurt my own feelings. <laughs> this is truly funny. <laughs> I'm not dating to marry. I'm dating to experience a painful breakup that kickstarts my weight loss journey. So true. So true. This one's sweet. The trick is to hold on to who I am as I let go. This one hurts. I once begged someone to love me the way I love them. That is the saddest thing I've ever done. Ouch. Closure is not a team sport. True that. This is sweet. I know most people try hard to do good and find out too late they should have tried softer. Aw. This is me. I respect someone who is vocal. Tell me why you're into me. Tell me why I pissed you off and how I can fix it. Tell me everything. A few more. You either say how you feel and mess it up or say nothing and let it mess you up instead. You're too precious to be crossing oceans for someone who refuses to make the journey from their couch to the door. So I have a story about this. So, you know, I mean, I was married for, you know, 20 years, right? Mostly happy. I mean, pretty dang happy till it wasn't. And, you know, she and I, are, we get along great and we're pretty close and I'm proud of that. But, you know, I've dated people in my life and it's funny cause, you know, I, I use city names to, I don't even use their names, I use city names. So, so this one is Chicago. So the story is, so Chicago, so Chicago and I met, we dated for a while, number of years. And I remember we'd fly, you know, she'd fly here, I'd fly there. And so, so I'd go up there and she'd meet me at the airport and, you know, all fun and games. And it, it was a blast and time goes on. And, 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 you know, I'd fly back up there and she'd meet me at the airport and meet me at the airport, meet me at the airport. And then, 
you know, one day it was sort of like, hey, I can't meet you at the airport. I'll meet you in the lobby. I was like, okay. And, you know, there was this little shift. And you don't, it's like you don't know it, but you, but you do. And you don't know if it's important or if it's not. And so then the next time it's, you know, meet her in our lobby and no more airport, right? And then, you know, next time meet her in the lobby. And then the next time it's like, hey, can you meet me at my door? And the next time it's not the lobby, it's the door again. And it's weird. It's weird. And, and, you know, things happen in a relationship and those feelings, you know, diminish or whatever causes relationships to fail. There are a lot of things, right? But I remember noticing that and I remember not saying anything. And I remember thinking I should have. And not that it would change it, not for that reason, but I think you, you know, it's back to, you know, kind of speaking up for yourself and, and saying no to behavior that, uh, it just change behavior, you just pay attention to it. But anyway, I thought that was a funny story. Anyway, let go of the idea that things could have happened differently, like Chicago, right? Yeah, me speaking up, it, would, it, it wouldn't have changed. Who knows? Who knows? Doesn't matter. If you're looking to be offended, you will be. This is simple, but I really like it. Be with someone who considers how their behavior affects you. Okay, last one, and this one is my favorite. And this is me all over. I don't know what it's like to not have deep emotions. Even when I feel nothing, I feel it completely. So I'm taking some time off from podcasting and nothing bad. I just, I need to catch up on reading. I mean, it's weird because I spend way too much time podcasting. It, 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 it's shocking for how not good they are. Um, I spend a lot of time trying. So give me an A for effort and a C for content. Um, anyway, I, and I'll be back. For, so this is the finale of, of season one. Yay. And we'll do a season two. I'm not sure exactly when, but yeah, I just need to catch up on some reading, have some more stuff that I can put out there. And uh, I'm going to end this by reading a poem. And the main reason I'm reading, it's not that it's good. It's, kind of, it's probably awful. But I want to, I just want to keep encouraging people, y'all, to, to, you know, chase that creative side. You know, everybody's like, oh, go work out, go do yoga, go do running, you know, go whatever, whatever. And I'm sort of like, man, you know, I, I think the creativity side is as important as that. That is your mind and, and mind needs all the help it can get. And, you know, of course, you know, walk and run and doing those things, it clears your mind and it really helps. But I think it's important to, to let that side of yourself flow. So I've got a poem and I'm going to read it and um, here we go. Never me, so low, apart from you, chasing things I cannot have, chasing things that won't have me, the places I'd hoped we'd see, 
Where do I put them? I can't breathe. The nights and days I hoped we'd share. What shall I do now you're not here? Opened, then closed. A dream unlived. 404. Chasing things I cannot have. Chasing things that won't have me. So low, apart from you. Thanks for listening and have a great week.